towards us, your tender mercies and loving kindness, so grateful, you're so kind, so generous, so forgiving, so compassionate, so encouraging, we just can hardly tell you enough how much we love you and thank you for your goodness to us, your faithfulness to us, even sometimes when we weren't as faithful as we should have been, you still remain faithful. And we got back on track and we thank you for that. The blood cleanses us of all of that and puts us back on course and we thank you for it. May tonight be a special night, Father, of teaching and the ministry of the Spirit. I'm asking you to minister to people through the word we teach. Let it be revelation to them. Use my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to write things in their hearts that will stay there, be developed there, and mushroom out of that even beyond what we're saying right now. And we thank you for it, believe you for it, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right, you can be seated. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to stay on healing tonight. We're going to stay on healing. And uh, got some wonderful things to share with you that we didn't have time to get into today. Not totally. We got into some things, but we didn't get into everything. So I want you tonight to turn with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And we're going to look at a verse here in just a minute, but I want to share something really important with you. I, I've been sharing this recently in some of my meetings. I didn't share it for a long time, but you know, Dad, Dr. Dufresne was my spiritual father for 20 years, uh, and I did my best to be a good son to him. I'm so grateful for all that he put into me. Uh, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, saying what I'm saying, I'm sure, had he not been in my life. But then when he left in October of 2013, the following year was 2014, and this was in uh, June 20th, I went out to camp meeting. Pastor, Pastor Nancy was conducting things, and she said an angel came to her house the night before, and that he came to, he said, I'm going to have you give this to Dr. Jacobs tomorrow, an impartation from me. And he began to talk about things that were changing in my ministry. I'm just going to pick out a little part of this here. He said it's to impart for another phase of the prophet's ministry, the prophet's office. So there's another phase to it. And he said to me, it's an increase in divine utterance that's going to flow at your word, those angels. And then she went down through here and she said that Brother Hagen had said he had a messenger angel and one that protected him and one that gave him messages and I was going to find that here. And so she's going on. She's talking about Brother Dr. Kenneth E. Hagen. And he said, not only does this messenger angel bring me messages, he said, the messenger angel, and this is it right here, works with my message. When I preach, the angel goes and causes that to have an effect. So if you would believe with me for that, you could have that tonight. If you don't believe it, it won't work for you. But if you believe it, 
Then I have angels working with me. And this specific angel that helps me with my messages, uh, the Lord said to Brother Hagin that he had an angel like that. That's where she got that because of what the Lord said to her about me. The angel said to Pastor Nancy. Anyway, so that's good to know, isn't it? The angel, he makes what I preach have effect on people if you're willing to receive it. Now, I know you probably didn't, you probably never heard that before in your life. I doubt at any place that you'd been, anybody ever talked like that. Pretty sure about it, even. But see, there's a lot of things you haven't heard yet. Me, too. Maybe not as much, not left out in me than maybe it's in others. But I just know a lot more than I can ever say publicly. But I'm just bringing you along. If you're listening to me, we could help you. Because if the Lord said that to me, and this messenger angel helps me, and he works with my message, to make it cause to have effect on you. Well, how does that work? I don't need to know how it works. I just believe it does work. Amen. See, you got to learn to get out of your mind. Your mind is a very big limiter in your life. I don't care how smart you are. That doesn't mean you're spiritual. Let me help you. You can be spiritual and be pretty ignorant. But you shouldn't. You should be both smart and spiritual. But that's two different, that's two different avenues we're talking about now. Things I really got to tell me in my life all came from God, from the Holy Ghost, in my spirit. There's things in there I know now that I don't know up here. Amen. All right. I want to give you a couple one-liners, and we're in John 10. You got it in park. I'm going to go in just a second. Yes, so put it in park. I'll tell you when to put it in drive. <laughs> when you're believing God for healing for your body, the way to stay in the spirit arena, which is what you need, and out of the mental arena is to keep your mind off your body and keep your mind on God's Word. So if you're believing God for healing, you need to find you some scriptures that help maintain you and hold you in the other realm, not in the mental realm. Because I'm telling you, this is what we, I see. He didn't say this here. I'm just talking. But if the devil will keep you in the mental arena, he will beat your brains out. You will lose everything you thought you were believing for if he keeps you in the mental arena because your mind cannot absorb things of the Spirit. You can get your mind renewed with the word, but really believing God comes out of your heart. Okay, this would help you if you're listening to me. Let me get a couple other things here. To someone who's standing in faith for their healing, their physical health depends on their spiritual health. So, you know, I'm not against vitamins. I take them, supplements and stuff. But see, he didn't say anything about that. My Physical health is determined by my spiritual health in God, which would mean what? Reading the Bible every day, praying, worshiping, getting quiet enough, which most people don't do because you're so busy and distracted. It may take, you have to learn to practice these things like I have to learn to do that. I've had to learn to do that for 30, 40, 50 years now almost just to get myself quieted down because I was a high-strung person. Nobody had to wake me up to go to work. I was there. I was just a, that cut that way. And my parents put a hard work ethic in me. But that just still didn't make me spiritual just because I was faithful on my job. But my mind was running right ahead of me, and I had to pull that in a little bit sometimes to get some things and pray in tongues until I got my mind calmed down and silenced where I could hear from God. I'm just telling you things I know. You could take it or not take it. You, you have to figure out your own life how you're going to run it. I just know how my life runs and what I have to do to maintain that. 
And anytime you want to get lazy, you can get lazy and just watch TV and suck up to natural things with your brain, your words, and your activity, and you're just going to be a loser somewhere. Down the, you're going to get hit with something really hard. I hate to prophesize that. But you can't live in the spirit and walk in the natural at the same time and goof off. You have to be disciplined. You have to turn the TV off. Maybe put your phone down. Oh, my gosh. I know that's, that's worse than being a drug addict because I was a drug addict. And I was a good drug addict. I mean, I took my drugs, and I liked it. Somebody said to me one time, I bet you quit doing dope because you fell in love with Jesus. No, I quit doing dope because it killed me once. I came out of my body, and I don't know where I was going. Pretty freaky thing. God intervened and put me back in my body. I don't have to get rid of the symptoms. I just fill my spirit and my mouth with the healing word, and the word will do the work. You know, like by his stripes we were healed. How about what we read today, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. He bore our sicknesses, diseases, carried our pains. And like I said this morning, you got to get rid All that is being taken away from you somewhere. Always think about it being going away from you, not coming to you. Amen. All right. Let me see here. What else I need to say to you here? Just some interesting things I was going over this afternoon. Your faith gives action to the healing power. See, your faith will give action to the healing power. And it's here right now, but he didn't tell me to get a prayer line going, so I'm not going to do that right now. But it's here, and you have to believe for it. That's why we're talking about these things. Now, let's go to John 10.10. I think you're there. If you haven't found it yet, just forget it. Just forget it. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not, Jesus speaking, the thief cometh not. And, of course, the thief would be the devil because God's not a thief. He, he's, not, he's not a robber. Amen. Jesus isn't a robber. He came to, we're going to see what he came to give us. But the thief, the devil, comes to, not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So when anything gets into my life, or let me say it different, anything gets in my uh, in my way of living in the earth that's a, it's trying to steal from me something, then I put my fat down and I fight that. Amen. And I tell it what I think of it. You're a loser and you got to get out of my life. I'm winning and you're not. Amen. I put sticky tabs on my shoes on the bottom of my shoes one time, taped them on there, and re- walked around for a week and it says, you lose and I win, ha ha, because you're under my feet. Amen. I just walked around everywhere I went with that on my shoe. I liked it too. You ought to try it sometime. Make you feel like a champion. You're talking to the devil because he's under your feet. He's looking up. And I said, you lose and I win. Ha ha. You don't think I did it. You just don't know me very well. Listen, I'm going to rub his nose in it. I'm going to kick his backside. I'm going to put the hurt on him. I'm going to defend my faith. I'm going to defend my word. I'm going to defend my life. I'm going to defend everything I believe in. And And he's not big enough to take it from me. Now, I could forfeit it through my attitude or wrong, like unforgiveness will get you really killed quick. Resentment, bitterness, you're mad at everybody, you think you know it all, you got to give your opinion. No, I don't always give my opinion. People couldn't take it. I'm not trying to lose friends, but (laughs) okay. But this is what Jesus said he came to do. I, I, I am come that they might have life 
and that they might have it more abundantly. The Greek says you might have it till it overflows. It's so, so overwhelming, the life of Jesus. So you get, this is the big dividing line in the Bible. One verse you ought to know forever. Anything comes into your life to steal, kill, or destroy. Steal your money, steal your marriage, steal your mate, to destroy your children, cut your finances off. I could go on and on with this. Make you depressed. Make you confused. You weren't confused yesterday, but you woke up today and you started feeling confused. And you said, then you went and called up all your friends. I think I'm confused today. Glad you didn't call me. I said, you're not confused. Get it out of you, Jesus' name. Come out, confusion. You got to talk to things like that. I gave you that scripture in Job. I didn't read the second half of it, you know, in Job 32 20. I will speak that I may be refreshed. Should never forget that. I didn't say Pastor Keith's going to speak for me. I don't, put, I don't put things like that in other people's lives, and I don't put that on them. I'm responsible for my life, period. And I'm going to do the speaking when it comes to me. Then it says, and I will answer things. You have to answer things that come to you that aren't in will with the will of God. You have to answer that. And sometimes some battles are just easily won. Other battles are more, they're more combative and more strict and more intense. But you can win them all if you just learn how to do it. Don't let the devil wear you down. You tell him he's a loser. You you already lost. Jesus whipped you so bad in hell, you'll never recover from it. Kicked him in the head, it says. And took the keys of hell and death from him. And gave us the keys to the kingdom so we have dominion now. The devil doesn't. Because I don't belong to him. You don't belong to him. Okay, this is important for your thinking. John 10.10 is the great dividing line in the Bible. If something comes into my life to steal from me, to try to kill something, you know, maybe just kill a relationship that should have continued. If it's the right kind of relationship, then I have to fight for that if I want it. Or he comes in to destroy something. You, know, you, don't, you don't let him do that kind of stuff to you. You got to fight back. And the, re- the way you do it is by your words and knowing the scriptures. Say, in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. I reject you, Satan. Don't be talking to me like that anymore. You have to go and put him on the run. And if he comes back, I just do the same thing again to him. He don't like it, and I love it. Yeah, he knows he's going to get a fight with me because I'm not going to give cave in. I'm just talking. All right, let's go to Acts 10. Look at a verse here that's really important, Acts 10, 38. I wanted to give you these two uh, premier scriptures, I would call it, in the Bible. Uh, Acts 10, 38, it tells that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost are all ganged up on the devil. And so on our side, we got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. I mean, you have to want to fail to fail, but you don't have to fail if you'll get some word in you. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing. So that should tell us right there that God thinks healing is good. I don't know why people got the idea that God would put anything on you I mean, I'm a, I'm a pastor from a long time ago. I was in this, I've been in ministry 40, 45 years, 45, almost 46 years maybe. 
a few more months. Anyway, if I found out somebody's abusing their kids, I'd call the police on them. I'm going to get you out of that situation. And they said our father was a child abuser. Think about it a minute. Shouldn't make you mad enough to want to spit in the devil's face. <laughs> Kicking, pinching, hurting. Like I told Big Mouth that time. Remember Big Mouth? I may tell that story again. I don't know if you got it yet. But he went about doing good and healing. And it was evident it was healing power because he went about and did good with that power and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So oppression comes from the devil. It doesn't come from God. Why would God want to put sickness and disease on us? I, and if I found out he did, I wouldn't serve him another minute. You think I'm teasing you? I'm not. I'd just burn my Bible and go do something else with my life. No, that's not my father. I don't know him like that. You know, really people, if you told them that, they'd be mad at you. They're thinking God's a pervert. I heard some people put their kids in, in, child, in dog cages in Chicago a couple years ago. And they arrested those put, put people and put them in prison. They should have. <laughs> See, God doesn't do stuff like that. And it's a, it's a tragedy. You know, being a pastor, I'm not a pastor anymore. I never wanted to not be a pastor. But at the same time, I wanted to obey God. So I, you just got to, if you're going to move on with God, you have to make yourself change. Or you just forget it, stay where you're at, and probably die young. Because you're being in disobedience. See, that's the key. You've got to be obedient to God. Okay, I'm just talking to you here. But these two verses, you need, to, you need to really get those in you. That first of all, the devil is the thief. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Anything that diminishes me or my family or anything like that. Anything. I know that's not God. He's trying to build me up. He's trying to make me be stronger in him. And my whole spirit, soul, and body be strong. My finances be strong. My mental health be strong. My emotional health be strong. People are just so emotional anymore. God bless you, but you're going to lose being emotional. You can't let the devil lead you by your emotions. You'll be a nervous wreck. I had to learn that the hard way, but I learned it. I have emotions. I just don't let them dictate to me how I'm going to feel anymore. I don't care. I, I just move on with God. Now, I know I'm saying some pretty large things, but you're big enough to take it. And if you're not, you can be big enough to take it if you just say, I believe what he's saying. I think I'm going to be like that. Let me say something else straight to you. I didn't say everything I did for God's been fun. I don't know who told you that. I sure didn't tell you that. Yeah. No, some of it has not been always fun in dealing with people, dealing mean people, hate, hateful people, un, unfaithful people, mean people. And I dealt with all of it. I threw some out of my church because they were predators. I said, if you fool with me, I got some ushers big enough. If I can't take care of your person, I got some ushers to take care of you. And if you press me, I'll put a restraining order on you. I don't trust you around my sheep. You need to skate out and stay out because you're a pervert. Really? Yeah, really. You know, I'm, there's no TSA out there checking you when you come in. Beep, beep, what's that? Beep, 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 what's that? Okay, don't get negative with me. I'm just talking to you here. 
You ought to be thrilled to have a pastor that don't put up with that. We're trying to be fair to everybody, but if you keep on doing stuff you shouldn't do, I'm going to challenge you. Yeah, and if I think you're a predator, I'm going to say, you have to leave. I don't want you to come back to my church ever again. And if you fool with me, I'll put restraining order on you. All right, moving ahead now. Now we got the good stuff out of the way. <laughs> I want you to get these two verses in your heart and get them in there solid. That when God does something, Jesus does something, the Holy Ghost does something, they said it was good. Not bad, not evil, not destructive. Not taking something away from you, trying to give you something. The devil's the one that comes to try to reduce us where we don't have the boldness we should have. I'm not talking about being mean to people, but I can handle myself. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of anybody anymore because I'm confident in my God. I'm not bragging. I'm not being braggadocious. I'm just saying I had to learn some things along the way. You don't get to be like me just playing with the Bible. Just reading it every now and again when you feel like it. <laughs> you just stay a loser your whole life like living like that. But you can dedicate more time to him in your prayer life. How about praying in tongues? All right, I'm still talking about healing here. Because things can go well for you for a while, and then you get up there, and if you're not careful, you're just nonchalant about it after a while. You, you start thinking more of yourself than you should. We need to be humble. If I'm winning, it's because God put me over, not because I'm so smart. <laughs> I mean, I've never said that. But I've tried to follow the Lord in things that I do, and he's been a blessing to me all the way through this. John 10.10, 10, Acts 10.38, those two verses don't have it tattooed on you. <laughs> you know, the Bible says in Leviticus you shouldn't do stuff like that. But I know a lot of people, a lot of people have tattoos and stuff. If you got them, you got them. But, I mean, I wouldn't do something like that. I don't care how religious it sounds. All right. Let's, let's go over here to, uh, let's go over to Matthew 8 a minute. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to look at a verse here. We studied some out of Isaiah and um, out of Exodus today. A little bit, and then we talked about things being instantly done for us in the area of healing, or some things take time. And, you know, it, I mean, it, it really it matters to me, but it doesn't matter to me in the sense that if you're going to get it, you can get it either way. That's the thing I'm saying. If you have enough faith to take it right then, just take it. But you have to be patient in some cases and stay in line with what you know God's doing in your life and in your body. And stay with that and confess that and stay with it and stay with it. Be persistent. Persistent people get results. Play with it people never do. You know what I mean by play with it people? Like I wasn't a play with it drug addict. I wasn't trying to smoke a couple joints every two weeks. I was getting high every day of my life for three years. Until I had overdosed. I'd overdosed several times. And so I know what I'm talking about. I was committed to that. And when I got saved, I said to Jesus, I'm going to live that far out for you that I live for the devil. Amen. And he said, come on, bring it. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm going to bring it. <laughs> you had to start where you start, which is at the beginning. But, you know, over the years, we just kept growing and growing. Haven't done everything right. Had to repent about a lot of things. I'm just honest enough to tell you that. 
And if you're smart, you'd be honest enough to admit you haven't been perfect either. But you keep coming back to God and the blood cleanses you from all things. If you talk to God about it and say you're sorry for that, then you can be cleansed. And then move ahead and move on. All right, Matthew 8 here. Let's look at these verses. Verse 16 and 17. When the evening was come, Matthew 8, 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him, unto Jesus, many that were possessed with devils or had a demon in them, or maybe more than one. And he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick. So I don't know how a person could read something like that about Jesus and then think that Jesus would put something on us that would make us not well. That didn't make any sense. That's what the people with education call schizophrenic. I know some of those big words. I just don't use them a lot. Because you know, you know what I'm saying if I just put it out there straight. And it says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken. Notice that. It might be fulfilled that which was spoken. It might be fulfilled that which was spoken. Not what was thought about. Now you do, you do need to have time of meditation when you think about God's word. And certain scriptures, certain things. And get some truth out of it. And sometimes you have to meditate, especially in the area of authority. I'm not even teaching that tonight. But I tell you, the devil fights me hardest in that area of any. Even more than money, I think. To understand my authority and walk in it. That's what I'm telling you. And the devil will keep pushing you back because he don't want you to ever understand how much dominion you really have. And then none of us above the others, let me tell you, you all have, you're all joint heirs with Christ. You're not a sub-heir. <laughs> That's the devil talking to you. Or maybe your mama told you that. I don't know. Maybe some unbelieving preacher told you that. They're wrong. I don't care what they said. If they said stuff like that, I wouldn't listen either. Mother or not. <laughs> preacher or not. Friend or not. I just say, don't talk like that around me. But you're going, to have, you're going to have to spend some time meditating on it to get into the reality of your dominion. You have it. You just maybe don't realize what you really have. Now, I'm not talking about dominion over other people. That's called witchcraft. <laughs> I'm not serving the devil. And I'm not trying to manipulate people. I'm not trying to change anybody unless they don't want to be changed. If they want to be changed, I can help you giving you the word and say, do this and don't do that. And that will change you. But you understand what I'm saying. You can't, you can't dominate other human beings. That's not in the Bible for any reason. And you've got to forgive everybody. doesn't matter if you want to or not. If you don't, you're not gonna, your faith is not going to work. How do I know that? Because my Bible says in Timothy that faith comes out of a um, clean conscience. And if you have something against somebody, you don't have a clean conscience. You could act like you do around me, but we, you know, God knows what you really think about so-and-so, sister, do-dad, brother, do-dad, head. And you're going to get them back, and they shouldn't have treated me that way. You're, you're, you're just going somewhere to explode doing that. You've got to forgive people. <laughs> and that has to be practiced, too. I had a hard time with that for quite a few years. You know, because I was a drug dealer. If you did me wrong, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to put it on you twice as hard as you did me. That was my attitude. That was the wrong attitude, by the way. This got me in more trouble. All right, moving right along. I'm going to go back to this. So that things could be fulfilled that was spoken. 
You're not getting anything fulfilled in God's way of doing things unless you're speaking his word after him. When you're just talking to be talking and talking about stuff and your talk is loose, it's not defined and you're, you know, trying to whatever, I don't know. But you're going to have to speak some things. Let God teach you how to talk. That it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. But we could just say that will be fulfilled that which Pastor Keith Rogan speaks will be fulfilled. Or Dr. Rogan preached, you know, or Pastor Cynthia says, or any of you say, Karina says. It'll be fulfilled when you speak it. In other words, you have to keep yourself speaking the word of God to yourself. Sometimes it's a private thing. You've got to be careful saying too much around people that are natural minded. They'll talk you out of it. I've had a lot of people over the years, they're in an emergency deal. We got cancer, the kid has cancer or something. They want to bring them to my church and me get them healed. You know, but then they just went back into an unbelieving church and an unbelieving family. And I wish I, I could have put it on the tombstone, killed by their own family. I can't get you fixed in one session. I mean, just think about that. When you go to the doctor and you've got something incredibly difficult to deal with, he doesn't give you a pill and say, go home, you never need to come back. He's got you coming back every week. We got to do these tests and that test, and you got to take this medicine. We're going to do this and that. I'm not making fun of doctors. I'm just saying. But people come one service, and if I can't get them completely healed, their whole life turned around. Well, he ain't got nothing. Well, you ain't got nothing either. I'd like to see you do that. Yeah, I mean, you have to understand. Jesus, he taught the word. A lot of times, he was teaching the word for several days. People were with him, and they got healed at the end of three or four days. That's why I say, I'm, you know, every service will be a little different. And sometimes I might give an altar call for this or that. And if you have faith, come and receive it. If you don't, sit still. There's tomorrow night. There's the next night. There's the next night. Until you feel confident that you have faith to believe to receive something when you get up here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just talking to you here, trying. But this, this scripture is so important that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. You could put your name in there saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Now, here's a little side thought on this. People would say to me when they didn't know anything, they thought they were real spiritual, going to help me. Well, you know, the Bible says Jesus healed those people there. It didn't say that. I'm going to point out something. Maybe you didn't see it. He took our infirmities, not just their infirmities. He took mine too, yours too. And until Jesus wraps this all up and we all go to heaven, that's still your part of the our group. So Jesus is still himself taking, he took it already, our infirmities, our weaknesses, our sicknesses, diseases, our pains, our mental illness, our emotional instabilities, all the stuff that we need to get rid of, the fear, the doubt, the unbelief, whatever it is, and learn to receive from him. And it's not about what you deserve, it's about what he's offering I don't know what's the matter with humanity. They always want to earn something. But you're in the wrong business if you're in Christ. You're not earning anything. You're, you're learning to receive what he gave you in his inheritance, in Jesus' inheritance. And we share that inheritance with him. He shares it with us, really. I didn't die on the cross for me. 
I certainly didn't put my son up there to be crucified for anybody. I'm not going to. And nor did I get up on there and die. I, I mean, I, my flesh has died a little bit because I wanted to do with the will of God. My flesh sometimes wanted to go a different direction. You act real decent now. I know everybody's saying, oh, that's not me. But we know you better than that. Just hang on. You can learn something. And sometimes there'll come challenges like that. They don't come every day maybe, but they do come. All right. So we're seeing here in this passage, himself, Jesus, took our, including mine and yours, our infirmities, our weaknesses, or whatever. You know, you may, you may, you may have allergies. That's kind of a weakness in people, human beings. And they get sick a lot when the seasons change and the allergic season comes. I don't know what you call that. You know, it's in the air and all that kind of stuff. Or something else. But you know, as I've grown in God, a lot of things I used to get, I don't even get those things anymore. Doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I've just beat that thing off of me and kept it off of me for a period of time. All right. Now, hang on. We're going to get some real good stuff in just a minute. Let me get through this part. I'm still talking about Matthew 8, 16 and 17. I'm going to read these different translations. One says, he took our infirmities upon himself and took away our diseases. He took our diseases away from us. Say, he took it away. He took my diseases, my sicknesses, my pains, my illnesses away from me. Think, always think of it being taken away from you. See what I'm saying? Get in the mindset that he took it away. Well, if he took it away, I need to think like that. He took it away from me. It, in other words, it doesn't have authority over me to just come and invade me whenever it's convenient for the devil. <laughs> I make it very difficult for him is what I try to do. All right. Then here's another. The Amplified says, he himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses. And some people have weakness in their emotions. I had a young girl in my church. I don't know. I'm going to say she's a senior maybe. Maybe 17, maybe 18. I, saw, I caught her in the hall and I said, hey, somebody told me you got a boyfriend. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I've never seen him. Why don't you bring him to church and let me scan him? Let you scan him. Yeah, like TSA when you go through the line. They got their wands out. Beep, beep. What's this? Beep, beep. What's that? Beep, beep, beep. What's that? And you got to tell them what that is or you're not going anywhere. And this is what she said to me. Well, he's a good kisser. And so I fired right back, right back on her. I said, lady, if you're a good kisser, you can train anybody to be a good kisser to you. I want to know how he talks to his parents. I want to know if he can keep a job. I want to know if he, he did come to my church, so he probably don't go to any church. And if I would know any better, I'd think you're out with him doing things you ought not to do. Think about what I'm saying, lady. Everything seems sweet, but you can't live on kisses. They're sweet when they come. They're appropriate in due season, but you can't live on that. <laughs> Somebody's got to have a job and pay bills. And, <laughs> and that's how a lot of people think, even not just the young people. Older, he's a good kisser or she's a good. Honey, there's a lot more to that than just kissing. If you're considering somebody you're going to live with and be married to and be in covenant. What are you going to do if, he, if you have babies with him and then he don't believe in doctor? I mean, he doesn't believe in divine healing at all. You're by yourself in that. I said, you need to think again. Well, I think that's the last time I saw her. She got offended at me. But I'm trying to help this girl, not hurt her. And she should have known that I'd been her pastor a long time. 
never done anything to offend her or say anything that would have drove her away. But she didn't like me challenging the fact that she's telling me that he's a good kisser. That tells me her whole <laughs> attitude about this guy is involved in that type of activity. I said, you know, listen how he tell, talks to his mother and daddy, and you need to tell me, does he have a job or can he keep a job? Does he have a car? Does he have a lot of indebtedness? Does he have a credit card? We say, well, you're really getting practical. Yeah, sure, I'm trying to save that girl a lifetime of trouble. It don't sound so serious when you're kissing somebody, but there comes a time when you've got to pay bills. All right. He took away our illnesses and lifted our diseases from us. That's another one. He took away our illnesses and carried away our diseases. He took our sicknesses away and carried our diseases for us. He took away our sicknesses and our diseases. He removed. He removed them. He took on himself our sicknesses and carried away our diseases. See, that's to us, this generation. It brings it to the next generation. When it's ours, then that's us. Now it brings it up to date. Yeah, praise God. So I want to talk to you sometimes. I mentioned this today, but I didn't get into it because it takes a little time. And I said there are different things that cause people not to be able to receive. Not everybody will receive because there's various reasons they don't receive. So I'm going to get into it with you. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 5. It's in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 5, go to Malachi and keep going left until you run into Isaiah. Go to Isaiah chapter 5. I'm going to read two verses out of here. And we've got four things here I want to talk to you about in tonight's lesson that causes people not to receive. And here's one right here. Uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 13. Therefore, my people, so even though this is people under the old covenant, they were still in covenant with God, Jehovah God, our same father, the one who's our father now. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity, uh-oh, because they have no knowledge. Sometimes people love Jesus, but they don't have any knowledge of the word. You can't go very far without knowledge. I mean, I handed my keys to a guy, a bellman one time at a hotel, and I had a I think I had a BMW, a 7 Series. I said, do you know how to start this thing and shut it down? Yes, sir. I said, okay, there's the key. And he, he, I, I waited. He never did any, went anywhere with it. He finally ran in a hotel and said, hold it, sir. I'm sorry, I don't know how to start this. I said, well, I was going to show you that, but since you acted like you knew it all, I'll, I'll let you deal with it. <laughs> so I got in and showed him how to do it. And then I said, you just do the reverse of that when you want to stop it. And it'll shoot the key back out to you, and you can take it. Everything else. See? He didn't have any knowledge. He just didn't have knowledge about my car, so he couldn't even get it to start to go. Yeah, right. It's an $80,000 car, and that day it's 110 now probably. But anyway, I don't have a BMW anymore. But anyway, I got a nice car. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. And their honorable men, that would be the ministry, are famished. They don't know anything either sometimes, and their multitude, the people they're trying to help, are dried up with thirst. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth. That's a pretty serious indictment, I think. And it tells us when we don't have knowledge of something, I'm talking specifically tonight. You know, I'm not talking about marriage. I was with that little girl trying to straighten out her thinking. But 
I'm talking about healing for your body, healing for your wife and husband, healing for your children. That's a terrible thing to have to bury your children. Terrible thing to have to bury anybody that you love. But see, one thing is a problem we don't have. Maybe we have some knowledge, but is that knowledge accurate, number one? Has it been rightly divided, number two? Or is it wrongly divided? Yeah, this is the thing about the Bible. If you wrongly divide it, it puts people in bondage. If you rightly divide it, 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 it brings light to you. You know, it's like splitting an atom. When you split an atom, there's power. If it's divided correctly, there's power in that atom. And I mean, they, you know, I know I had some surgery on my eyes a couple years ago. They had a laser in my eyeball doing something. And they said, if you're going to cough or sneeze or anything, even though they got me strapped to a board in my forehead there, and they got my eye poked open like that with springs on it, keep my eye open while they said, you stop this. You say, stop, or you grab our coat and jerk on it or something. Because they didn't put me out because they want me to respond if I'm about to cough or sneeze or anything because we got a laser looking inside your brain down in your eyeball. Your brain's right behind it, you know. And then I watched the show and they cut a Sherman tank in two with a laser, a lot more powerful than the one they had inside my head. Same, same operation. And they just showed you how powerful it was. When you rightly divide something, it always releases power. I'm telling you that's a no. If somebody says something and it just don't sit well, then maybe you need to reconsider that they don't know what they're talking about. Okay, now let's go down to verse 20. This gets more serious. Woe unto them that call evil good. You know, let me say it to you this way from my study of the Bible. You do not want to be in the Bible on the end of a woe. When God says woe, that's serious stuff. I mean, you're in big trouble when he says woe to you. Your husband or wife may say woe, but if God says woe, you better, you better stand still and, and, and begin to get it together. Now, woe unto them that call evil good. People act like God did this to teach me something. Now, see, what, what kind of thing are you talking? Because you got your arm broke, your leg broke, because you're in the hospital, because you got some dreaded disease? Just not, my father doesn't do things like that. That's the devil that does that. Remember, Jesus went about doing good and healing everywhere. Those that were oppressed of the devil. So whatever they had was not good, and he got the evil out, put the good in. Now, are you still with me? And he says, woe unto them that call evil good. So I don't call any of that good. Yeah. Yep. And put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet. For, in other words, they got it totally turned around. And growing up in a church like that, see, I thought my elders were smarter than me because I'm just a young, you know, I'm just a coming out of being a drug addict at first. And even when I was younger, I was in the church for a period of 10 years from 5 to 15 because God healed me. I was a Forrest Gump type kid. I wore braces from the waist down. And my mother prayed for me. And God sent an angel and he ministered to me. Anyway, I got healed. And she committed to take me to church all the time. But see, I listened to that, but it didn't make sense. I wasn't really thinking that deeply about it until I got older. Then I realized they said certain things, like God put that on you to teach you something. And I, felt, I thought, well, that doesn't sound right, but I didn't know how to refute it or correct it. All right. So let me show you something in Deuteronomy 7. I'm thinking about this comment here. Woe unto them that call evil good. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 15. You could just write that down if you don't want to turn there with me. Um, 
Let me find it here, Deuteronomy 7.15. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness, and I will not, it says in the Hebrew here, I will not allow any of the evil diseases of Egypt. Diseases are evil. I didn't say the person who is sick is evil. I said the disease comes from the evil one. How many know what I'm saying? I'm not saying because somebody's sick, they're evil, and I'm trying to figure out what they did. There was probably something they did or something they didn't know would cause that, but still they're in bondage now because of some issue. How about, you know, when you're younger, you think everything's mystical and you want to get into seance and you want to get into Ouija boards and you want to get into all. I would stay totally away from all that unless you just want to get to be demon possessed. You know, I mean, I knew a lady that hung herself and died, and then we had a seance for it, and a guy that I was, had a hold of his hand, he talk, hit, her voice came out of him and talked to us. Yeah. But see, I wasn't right back then. I already told you I did everything wrong back then. But I realized this is real. And, you know, I, I got out of all that. When I, got, when I got saved, it didn't all happen instantly. That's why I would have got out had a pastor like myself that would have said, get up here, I'm going to rebuke the devil off your life, Michael. Anyway, but he didn't do that. He didn't know how to do it. He's a good man. Good man, he's not a bad man. He just didn't know very much. And for being the age he was and being in the ministry for 40 or 50 years, that's pretty sad. Really nice person. I liked him, but he didn't teach any of this. They didn't believe it. So he says right here in Deuteronomy 7, 15, Diseases are evil. Why is that? Because it comes to impair God's people. It comes to impair all people, but all people are made in the image of God. They may not live like it yet. They need God to live like that. How many are listening? How many would rather me just stop right now and close the service? No? Listen, I'm trying to help you. We got to understand when people say something that we know is of the devil is good, and the Bible right here says disease is evil, you need, to take a, you need to take a look at that and say, no, that's not God doing that. Amen. Yeah. Anyway. So there's a problem with people. People that tell us that repeatedly, especially leaders in churches, or maybe a relative you like real well, your grandmother, your grandpa, mom and dad, an aunt and uncle, they're in the ministry. They know God better than you do because you're just an average sheep. You know, you can think like that. I'm not saying that about you. But just sheep are not real smart unless they're renewed in their mind. Even the sheep in the natural are not very intelligent. But anyway, listen, I'm a sheep too, so don't take offense. We got to get it straight. And if something's not right, we need to speak up. We need to say, no, that, that couldn't be God. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes people have listened to the wrong doctrine. Listen to me. Whatever you listen to a lot becomes a part of you. And most people don't have the discernment to know the difference. That I shouldn't be listening to this. You got to watch it. I mean, there's so much, even on our telephones, that's nasty. And you could push this and get this to play or get this to see something you shouldn't be seeing. Or on and on I could go with this. It's just you have, you have total access, all right. You have total access to hell for the most part. 
And, you know, you have to begin to realize you can't just listen to anything that you think sounds interesting unless you know that they're telling you the truth. Because yeah. <laughs> that stuff gets in you, especially when you're younger and growing up in a church and mom and dad says, well, to respect the pastor, I believe that too. But some pastors didn't know enough to teach us the truth when it came to this. I went to church from 5 to 15, Baptist church. I had all the pins, faithful attendance. I walked like this when I came in church. <laughs> they didn't, I never saw them cast the devil out of anything, never saw them pray for anybody in faith, never saw that. Went to seminary, same thing, only worse. And that's the seminary of that denomination. And that's where they're training their pastors. I'm not mad at people. If they want to be ignorant, let them be ignorant, the Bible says. But I'd like to help people not stay ignorant. Because if you're ignorant, the devil takes advantage of you. Just because you don't know it don't mean it's okay. Yeah. So I'm saying this is a problem. And you get that repeatedly in you. And you don't have any friends hardly. And when you do meet a spirit-filled believer that speaks in tongues, you ridicule him or her and make fun of them because you don't understand that. See, the devil's really worked hard to get us confused. I never made fun of Pentecostal people even when I was a Baptist because I had enough common sense to not make fun of anybody in their relationship with God like that. And I just figured, well, I don't understand that. But, but then I did understand it because I was hungry. You know, if you're hungry, God will feed you. He'll get you to the right people. He'll get you to the right books to read. He'll get you to the right people. Pastor Keith always edified me by saying, you know, when he first met me, I prayed, I was praying, I was teaching on the name of Jesus, how big Jesus was and how big the name was. He said he just needed somebody to say it. Well, I said that. Amen. And he stayed with me for 38 years. Amen. He could have ran off, but he didn't. <laughs> and that's what we need to stay with people that know how to help teach us and train us in the right way. And I'm not argumentative, you know, and I'm not trying to fight people. You know, I'm not trying to fight anybody. I'm not going to fight you. I already know what I believe. So you're, you know, you don't, if you try to argue with me, just remember, oh, I got five scriptures, scriptures in this pocket, two in my right shoe, three in my ear, and two down this sock. I'm kind of teasing, but not really. All right. Remember, I'm the guy who tapes things on the bottom of his shoe for the devil to read. <laughs> I love to torment him. You ought to get like that, too. <laughs> So, error and wrong doctrine puts you in a different dimension with God. You're not in faith, you're in fear. What does that do? That puts people in fear. And if you tell your children that, think what that does to them. You're their parents or grandparents. And they say, you know, God put this on you to teach you. And then you have to bury your sibling because God put that on them. See, that's not God. It just confuses everybody. Now... You want to ask me why everybody doesn't get healed? I could give you a thousand reasons. I could give you as many reasons as there are humans. But it can be done. You can be healed of anything. And Jesus already provided that for us. I'm trying to keep you out of that wonderment. And sometimes people don't know because they've been taught wrong. Wrong doctrines. I don't know how you could say, you know, I mean, I, like when I started teaching on deliverance in 1978, all my friends back then said, what, are you crazy or something? I said, what do you mean am I crazy? What are you talking about? Well, you're just going to ruin your ministry. Of course, I didn't know what I know now. I'd answer them different. But I said, have you ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John preacher? Well, yeah. 
Well, didn't you see Jesus doing that to human beings, casting the devil out of them or not? Did you just mark that out of your Bible? No, I saw it, but I don't believe it. I said, well, what's wrong with you then? It didn't ruin Jesus' ministry. He's still in the ministry. Through all these people in the earth, they're preaching what he preached. All right. I just wanted to say that because you need to know that. You need to know that. Okay, so some people have been taught wrong. And what's a problem is they say scientifically, if you didn't know anything, I could get it to you in maybe seven, seven or even a few extra times, maybe 21. And one, one thing I was studying reading about it said it takes 50 times for a pastor or a preacher to preach a message like it should be preached. And I don't know how many times I've preached on angels for 43 years. I don't know something about them. I'm not even talking about them tonight. I'm just talking to you. But I keep preaching it because I don't think people have got it. If you're not getting the benefit out of what I teach you on the angels, then you haven't heard me. Amen. You may have been in a meeting with me, but you didn't hear what I said, or you would have not acted like I said that. Yeah, they're a benefit for us. So there's error and wrong doctrine. The reason people don't receive, how about this one? Number two is traditions. Traditions of men, Mark 7. Let me go over there with you, Mark 7. And a verse um, 9, Mark 7, verse 9. And he says here, Jesus talking, he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God or the word of God, that you may keep your own tradition. So you have to make decisions ongoingly to keep the word of God first place and not your tradition. Now, I mean, see, you know, I notice things like that about some preachers, and I'm not trying to judge everybody, but when somebody gets on national TV and says they want to sell me a prayer shawl that costs $40, it's going to make me more effective in my prayer life, I stick my tongue out and go, mm -hmm. that's what I think of that. I don't think about this a lot, but I can be naked in the shower and God hears me. I don't know about you. I just know about me. He's not impressed with a prayer shawl or something on my head when I pray. All right, so sometimes traditions are just weird. And then verse 13 in the same chapter, Mark 7, verse 13, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have delivered. So they're preaching it. They're preaching their traditions. And many such like things do ye. This was not a compliment. This was a put down. He said, you made the word of God of no effect through your traditions. God bless people. But is this live stream or something? Okay, I'm, I'll pull that thought back. I know you're wondering what I was going to say. You just have to let it go, baby. All right. But when you make the water of God of no effect, do you realize what you've done? You just annihilated the thing that could help you. I was in a meeting one time. John Evanzini got up, a wonderful man of God, very generous man, very powerful in teaching on finances, has been for 30, 40, 50 years. He got up and said, I think there's something more powerful than the Word of God. I said, a big Coliseum, I wanted to stand up and say, you heretics, sit down and shut up. But I didn't. And I was so thankful. He said, it's the traditions that you have that make the Word of God of no effect. So the traditions you have are stronger, more powerful than the Word of God when you put them in that position. I know people say to me, well, you know, we tried to pray for so-and-so and they died. Well, what does that have to do with me and you? 
I know some people die. We're all going to die someday. We're all going to lay our body down. I know that. We don't have to be sick to die, though. You can just go when you're ready. All right. But here's the problem. When we have traditions, like people say, well, that's praying in tongues is of the devil. You know, I was a drug addict for three years. I was with some rough people. Bikers, I mean, real bikers, outlaws and hell's angels type people. And I mean, the people I ran with were just rough, a rough bunch. And I never heard any of them ever speak in tongues. <laughs> I used to go to the jail and the prison five years in a row. I didn't hear any of the inmates preaching, praying in tongues. Yeah, see, that's just nonsense that tongues are of the devil. But people hold on to that and they're afraid of tongues when really if they let somebody talk some sense into them, they would join into that and then make greater progress in their overall spiritual walk because tongues are, are, are very important to every believer to pray in the Spirit. When you pray in tongues correctly, you can move the plan of God forward in your life. When you pray in tongues consistently, God will speak back to you after you're done speaking in the other language, and he will tell you things that you need to know about yourself or what you're doing or where you're going or all the above. And you build up yourself on your most holy faith. <laughs> I mean, this generation don't know about nutrition. They know about lifting weights. Oh, my gosh. I'd like to say something, but I'm not going to say that. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. Some people are just nutty. They're just nutty. I'm all for eating good food. Doesn't look like it with my belly, but I'm getting better. Just leave me alone. I noticed some of you got a little belly too. I'm just not pointing to you. But you don't want traditions like people saying tongues is of the devil. You know, yeah, we just realize what we're saying. It's important to pray in tongues. It's something that God gave us. I know I struggled with it too before I got into it, but then I just jumped in when I because I was hungry. Number three, number one was error and wrong doctrines. Number two was traditions. Number three is not rightly dividing the word. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter two. Go over here with me to Second Timothy chapter two, and I'm going to look at verse fifteen and sixteen, maybe. 2 Timothy 2, is this okay? I'm showing you things that reason why people sometimes don't get healed. So, I just know what I'm talking about. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman, so it's going to take some effort to do that, that needeth not to be ashamed Rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what I said. You can rightly divide it, it says there, so it would be evident you could wrongly divide it and turn it into a mess for people to understand it. Rightly divide. You have to study to show yourself approved unto God and so that you could rightly divide the word of truth. That's important. Now let's go over to 2 Peter, still on this comment here. 2 Peter chapter 3. This is amazing scriptures. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 16 and 16, I think it is. 16, yeah. Maybe verse 17 too, but verse 16 is critical. And, and Peter here is talking about Paul in verse 15. And this is Peter talking to us. 
He's talking a little about Paul. And he says, as also in all his epistles or his letters, the epistles are not the wives of the apostles. You do know that, don't you? The epistles are letters in the Bible, like Philippians, Ephesians, and Hebrews. It's not that they weren't the wives of the apostles. They're not called epistles. Epistles just means letters. And he's talking about Paul. Peter's talking about Paul in all his letters, speaking in them of these things in which are some things. Now listen, some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable wrestle as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Now, I don't know about you, that is a hard scripture for me to read to humans. This doesn't say anything about the devil. It just says that people that are unlearned, they never learn from those of us who knew better. You can be in church your whole life and never learn nothing. People proving that to me. I had people in my church 15 years. I mean, all kinds of stuff. I went to their home, took a gun away from a guy one time, going to kill himself and his wife. And then when he left the church, said, you don't care anything about me. I said, well, that wasn't the way it was when you drew a weapon. You're going to shoot you and your wife. And I came to your house and wrestled your gun away from you. See, but you've got to learn from those that have already been somewhere. And here's another problem, unstable. People are unstable. They always run away with something brand new. You know, there's nothing beyond the local church that I know anything about that's so great. I'm a local church guy. I'm a teamster. I don't have ball bats in my trunk, but I'm a teamster. You know, the trucker union, they carried ball bats and guns in their day. But anyway, I'm just talking. But the unlearned, they never learned anything. And the unstable people, they wrestle as they do the other scriptures, not just one or two, but several, under their own destruction. I got a guy got mad at me because I took too long. The first time I came to my church, first time. I took 15 minutes talking about finances and tithing or something. And he got mad and left the church and told people he, he left because I'd spent too much time talking about money. He's a young man and he's young, not even 30. He had two children and a wife. And he could have learned a lot from me and got involved with God's finances for him and been way ahead by now. But he just got mad about stuff. See? He's unstable. Somebody told him God doesn't want you to have anything. And he thought I was lying about it. Man, if God didn't want you to have anything, I'll let you know. You ain't got nothing, buddy. You ain't going to have anything if that's what you think. No, if God wanted you to have nothing, you wouldn't have anything. Period. Saint or sinner. I mean, no, God wants to bless you. You're his family. You're, we're sons and daughters to the most high God. Yeah. So, sometimes not rightly dividing the word because people are unlearned or unstable and they wrestle, even not only that, but other scriptures, it doesn't tell you which they are, but that deal with other issues. And they wrestle the scriptures to their own destruction. You know, God never sent the word to destroy us. I read that verse to you today in one of my books. He sent his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destructions. Didn't say anything about the devil in that verse either. Just what people think about and do. It's their destructions. They made themselves that way. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to. I hope I'm helping you. I got one more thing here. I'm gonna and I'm gonna 
close it, we'll see where we go. These are problems with people why they're not able to be healed. You know, how about past experiences? Never base what you believe on an experience, but base it on the Word of God. I'm going to take you to Romans 3. We're going to look at two or three scriptures here. And then I will probably minister to some people tonight. We'll just see. You know, if the Lord tells me not to, then I won't, but I usually do. Uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 3 and 4. So number 4 is people that uh, base what they believe on an experience they had instead of basing what they believe on the Word of God. See? See? There's a lot of times I didn't get the fulfillment of the word because I was still doing something wrong and I didn't even realize it. You listening to me? Yeah. Yeah. You got, like Brother Hagin says, if you want to be healed and walk in health, you have to walk in divine love, not human love. Because human love says, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. But divine love says, I'll scratch your back, period. <laughs> See, that's the way God thinks. He's always out to bless us and touch us and change us and bring us higher up and, and get our minds really sound and our emotions solid so that we're not driven by every wind of doctrine. Hallelujah. All right, Romans 3, verse 3 and 4. But what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. As it is written that thou mightest be justified in what you say and mightest overcome when you are judged. So he's saying here sometimes people don't believe things. They're in unbelief. Unbelief is just based on what you believe. You're not believing the right thing. Okay. And do you think that would make the faith of God without effect? And God says, God forbid. I mean, Paul wrote, wrote it out. God forbid. Yea, let God be true at every man a liar. So we're seeing here sometimes people base what they did on an experience. Well, I tried that one time and it didn't work out. That doesn't mean that you, that doesn't mean that God failed you. This just means maybe you didn't know enough at that time to get it to work. You have to keep trying, keep moving with God. It's never on God's side. He didn't make a mistake. He's God. He's right about everything. He knows everybody. He knows me, knows everything about me. He knows everything about you. Even things I don't know about you. Sometimes things your mate doesn't know about you. But he's trying to help us and he doesn't want us to base our faith on a past experience. He doesn't want that. He wants you to base your faith on his written word. Yeah. So I've done my best to talk to you tonight. Let me look at a couple more scriptures with you. And then we'll, well, I think I'm going to go down here a minute. We talked about this a little today about the difference between instant manifestations or immediate help, which we read in Mark 1, 42, 42, the leper. Jesus laid hands on him. He said, I know you could make me heal. I just don't know if you want to do it. And he said, I do be healed. And immediately as Jesus spoke to him, the leprosy left him and he was healed instantly. But then there's other passages we talked about today, like Luke 17. And let's go over to Luke 17. I quoted it to you, I think. But let's go to Luke 17 and read about these other lepers that they didn't get it instantly. Uh, Luke 17, starting in verse 11, I'll get you a minute to find that. Then I'm going to talk about them and I'll talk about another boy that I ministered to one time. 
but had muscular dystrophy. Luke 17, verse 11, and it came to pass as he, Jesus, he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee and he entered into a certain village and there met him 10 men that were lepers which stood afar off. If you were a leper in that day, the law said you could not come and mingle among people that were normal because you could catch that. You could catch leprosy from them. And leprosy eats off your ears, your nose, your fingers, your toes first, and it destroys your life eventually. So these two men, these 10 men were lepers. Verse 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he, Jesus, saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. That was under the law in Leviticus that if you, were, uh, if you had leprosy, you were, had to camp outside the camp away from everybody else because you could spread it. And then if you say you got healed, you had to go show yourself to the priest and you'd have to undress yourself and let him check your body to make sure there's no leprosy on you to where he's going to let you back in and mingle with people that aren't infected with that yet. So Jesus was telling them, listen, what you need to do is go show yourself to the priest. Them being Jewish people knew that meant I'm healed. I must be healed. But it says here, it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. When they're walking away from him in obedience to show themselves to the priest, they're being cleansed or healed as they go. They stop there, maybe they're not fully cleansed. They stop here, but as they went, they were cleansed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it took some time. And then it says, uh, and one of them, verse 15, when he saw that he was healed, so I'm taking that to probably his fingers grew back, his ears grow back, his nose grows back, the flesh was gone, and all of it was complete. It said, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down at his, at his, on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God except this stranger. And he said unto him, Rise, go your way. Thy faith has made you whole. Your faith makes you whole. But I want you to see that it took some time. I don't know how many steps away the guy was when he realized he was healed. But he came back and gave God thanks. And Jesus said, You know, I thought there was ten of you. Where's the others? Well, they didn't come back and thank him evidently. Are you listening to me? So sometimes things are gradual. That's what I was saying to you. I had a little boy in my church. Let me see. He was probably about 10 years old. Let's just call him Jimmy. He had muscular dystrophy. He had a hand like, it looked like it was glued to his hip here, like this hand. And the same leg on the same side of his body, he drug it like this. 10 years old. I'm preaching on faith Sunday morning. His mother and father are in the service. She is a registered nurse, an RN, and her father is an EMT driver, ambulance guy. Gets people in there, you know, deals with people in wrecks and accidents in the end. And so little Jimmy, he came up. I preached on faith that day. He came on up. Pastor, pray for me. I'll be healed today. I said, I believe it, Jimmy. I laid hands on him. I said, in Jesus' name, you're healed. Now, I don't think everybody else knew this, but I did and Jimmy did. He said, thanks, I got it. I said, you sure did. I think the rest of the congregation thought, boy, the boy and Dr. Jacobs are both nuts. He's not got it. Look at it. But within a month, 10-year-old boy. Started to zip his own pants. Mama had to zip it for him because he didn't have use of this one hand. He couldn't do it with this. And so, and then he started buttoning his shirt a couple more months later. 
And then by the next, uh, the, within a year, he started his leg straight. First, his hand straightened out. Then his leg straightened out. Then he was playing basketball at the junior high basketball league. <laughs> Took about a year. So he didn't get it instantly, but he got it. He believed he received when I prayed for him. He said, pray for me, preacher. I'll be healed. And then he said, thanks, I got it. And I said, you sure do. I was agreeing with his faith. And he sure did get it. It's wonderful. Think about that. Going from a little crippled boy. I'm sure he wanted to play sports like other little boys. And, and, and button his own shirt and zip his own pants. And, of course, he eventually tied his own shoes and everything, you know. That's a big thing for a young boy or a girl to not be able to take care of themselves without mommy and daddy. All right, well, let's stand up. Would you stand up with me? Hallelujah. Praise God. I preached myself happy tonight. <laughs> and I'm not even in need of healing. <laughs> right at the moment. Thank you, Father.